Good morning, I'm, pa- I'm Pastor Cliff, I'm the campus pastor here at Liberty Church, and it's so excited, I'm so excited to see all of you. Let me look around, can y'all just look around, look around the room, I want to see some smiling faces. Are we smiling today all the way up there in the back? Are you smiling? I can't see your teeth, I want to see your teeth. Some of you have beautiful smiles, you know. It's good to see you this morning. It's good to be seen. Y'all, are we a quiet quiet crowd this morning? No, we are not. Come on, if you're thankful to be here, I want you to give some shouts of praise. If you're thankful to be here, if, if God has done something in your life, some of you may or may not even realize it yet, but God has been up to something in your life. And I'll tell you what he's been up to at Liberty Church, and I'm thankful for it, is we've been able to give and prepare and build beds and send them, send them to the community, to children in need, amen. So I wanna say thank you to all of those that continue to faithfully give, consistently give. This is how we do ministry. It's not just coming in here and doing a church service, but I really believe it's a moment in history where the church can even leave the building and leave the four walls of the church and be the church and be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community, in our neighborhoods. Can I get a little old school amen? Amen. So we're in a series and it's called, Who is God? Have you ever asked that question? Who is God? I think we've popularly asked the question, where is God? Where are you? Who are you? And it's not, we, we want to answer this question in this series. It's not who I think he may be. It's not who I hope he will be. It's not what I've heard. I think I've heard. I mean, that's good to hear some good things about God, but how many of you have sat around a table or pulled your chair up to the bar and have heard a few bad things about God? Well, I'll tell you, God left me. God's never been here for me. God this, God that. Cursing, cursing, and you can fill in the wrong blank when you answer the question, who is God, if you answer it out of your own limited knowledge. I want today for us, our spirit to be open, our heart to be open, our mind to be open, that that God's word would speak to you personally. So can you just pray that right now, that God, that you would speak to me personally? Like I may need to see you in a new light. I may need to see you in a new way. I need to hear from you fresh today. You, you need to do something, God. I, I, I need to cry out. I find myself in situations where I need to cry out for help today. So speak to me personally today. Speak to my marriage. Speak to my kids. God, speak to this community. Speak to this church, Lord, today. I love the fact that God, in Jesus' name, amen. Sorry, that came out as a prayer, so I'll put an amen on it. Love that God, I love that God is who he says he is, and he proves it in the Bible over and over again. Now, when I was growing up, when I was a kid, uh, I was that kid that wished I could change my name. Anybody out there with me? Come on, let's be honest. Did you ever want to change your name? Because here's the reason why. I got to the point in life where I, got, I was like, Cliff, why did you name me Cliff? Because nobody calls me Cliff. They nicknamed me off of my name. Thank you very much, Mom and Dad. So they named me Clifford, Cliff Titus. What does that even mean? Clifton, Heathcliff. I know where they got that one. Cliffy Poo. Someone said, oh, and someone, some guy's like, poor guy. So it's Cliffy Poo. Yeah, I know where I got that one too. And so I wanted to change my name. But here's the question for you. What is in a name? Why is a name so important? I think we can all agree this morning that there is huge significance, huge significance to a name. 
Like when I look at myself as dad, or actually better yet, I look at my real earthly dad, my dad, my biological dad. I look at him and I see Lawrence, but he goes by Eric. And, and, and he was a provider and he was a hard worker. He was honest. He is to this day loyal. He's a faithful man to my, to my mom, to us kids. He, he's a musician. He taught me a lot of what I know about how to be a worship leader be kind and be respectful. He's a bit creative. He, he's a painter. He's a worship leader. He's a unique man. He's 5'7", and he is as wide as he is tall, and he's my dad, and I love him. And he now has a beard this long, and he looks like Santa Claus. And I'm turning into him every day. Oh, my Lord. Why didn't you name me Eric? Because I look like him. I think as children of God, we're supposed to look like our dad. And, I, and, and a name distinguishes you. And it characterizes your character. It spells out your nature. Your, you know, it tells people who you are. Your name, people know your name, but they also know your attitude. They know your authority. They know your reputation. And your name sums up who you are, really, in one word. Think about it. Oh, that's so-and-so. He's fill in the blank. People can sum up your life in one word many times. Think about it. But what about God? God named, who is God? God named himself in the Bible, many, many names. But then he proved those names. He carried out that character and that nature. Look at Malachi chapter three, verse six. I love this scripture. This is what God says about himself. I am the Lord. You need to know this right out of the right out of the gate this morning. I'm the Lord and I do not change. God's name is not temporary. It does not pass. His name lasts forever and he does not change. When he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. Numbers 23 and verse 19, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. His name lasts forever. Scripture shows us in Exodus chapter 15, verses 22 through 26, and I'm going to read this quickly. Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water, and when they came to the oasis of Marah, the water was too bitter to drink. So they called the place Marah, which literally means bitter. And the people, then the people complained and turned against Moses, Moses, their leader. My goodness. They turned against him and said, what are we going to drink? They demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Very strange. He showed him a piece of wood, and then Moses threw it into the water, and this made the water good to drink. Some translations say it made the water sweet again. And it was there at Marah that the Lord set before them following decree as a standard, a standard to test their faithfulness to him. And he said, I love this, this is God speaking. If you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I've sent on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. Jehovah Rapha. Someone to say that name. Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha. It's in the Bible, y'all. I just taught you a new name. Many of you didn't know that God named himself as the Lord who heals. Today I want to look at this name. 
And then I want to point out, we're going to point out three specific areas in your life, three named places that the Lord heals you. I don't know about you, but today I think some people in this room just may need some healing. I really do. We're in tough times. It's crazy. Listen, recap, recap. God's children... They're slaves to Pharaoh. They're slaves in Egypt. They're working for Pharaoh. They don't even have the resources, the tools, the equipment they need. And they're slaves unto Pharaoh. But they get a meal every day. They get their hand out every day. And they, and they work very, very hard unto Pharaoh. And then God raises up someone to rescue his people. And that person was Moses. And you've seen Charleston Heston maybe in the movies. He raises the staff and says, let my people go. You know, there were ten plagues that, that plagued uh, Pharaoh and the children of Egypt and God saved and rescued the children of Israel. Then they were chased, right? Well, wait, first they got to put on all the Egyptian clothes and the sandals and the shoes and they got like, they like carted up everything and they just took off. They took the spoils of all of Egypt and they're like, they're trekking across the desert and then they get to this place called the Red Sea. Uh-oh, we got a water problem, y'all. There's something in our way and we don't have a boat. And then he tells them, lift your staff and then the Red Sea splits and they walk and they cross on dry land. And then better yet, they get on the other side and then they look back. And then, and then the Egyptian army is coming in with Pharaoh and all the horses and all the men and, and all of the, the army. They, they're in the Red Sea and God swallows up your enemy, my enemy, our past. He swallowed it up right in the Red Sea. And you know what they did? They had a little dance party. And I'm not a dancer, y'all. I can't dance. I can sing a little bit. I used to sing a lot more, but I cannot dance. You get me? I used to play guitar a lot. But you take that guitar away with me, and I don't know what to do. I cannot dance. But they got out the tambourine, the harp, the flute, the, the, the penny whistle. I don't know what all they had in their arsenal. But they started singing songs of praise to God. Like Miriam wrote a song, and it was like, I've seen the horse and the rider thrown into the sea. All of my past, all of my sin all of my shame, all of those old ways, all of my fears, my doubts, my worries were thrown into the Red Sea and they had a dance-off karaoke party like nobody ever had. Come on. So the first place the Lord heals us is he heals us spiritually. It's our story. It's your story. We've been bound to sin, bound to shame, uh, slaves to fear and doubt in an old system. We've been bound to money and greed and perhaps lust and, and throwing our life at those things. And in the same way that God raised up Moses as a rescuer, God to the nation, God sent Jesus as our redeemer, as our savior of the entire world world. Amen. John 3, 16, for the, this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And when we believe that Jesus is the son of God and we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, a new creation, and the old life is gone, and a new life has begun. I don't know about you, but, but 
I've had victory in my life and I've had victory where the Red Sea, like God saved me. And it's like that victory, that Red Sea washed over my sin and my shame and took away my past. But who can remember today? Let's be honest. Like let's, this is a little Q&A time. Who can remember where and who you were before you met Christ? Now this is for those that know Jesus, for those that you've given your life to, to Jesus. Who were you before you met Jesus? Where were you at on the other side of the Red Sea before you met Jesus? Where were you really? No, I'm serious. Like, remember it right now. Where were you? I know where I was. I was alone. I was lonely. I was lonely and didn't. I, I, I struggled most of my teenage, early, early childhood and teenage years. Growing up in a good home, a godly home. They loved the Lord. But I felt, I don't know if anyone will ever truly be my friend. I'm alone. And Jesus, yet he names himself as a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Where were you before you met Jesus and can you remember it? Somebody bold enough to shout it out? Drunk. Come on, let's talk. Let's talk life right now, real quick. We got all day. I'm just kidding. We don't have all day. Talk. Uh, a drunk. Mean. Alcoholic. Selfish. Come. Sin. Dead in sin. Confused. What? Prideful. Man, where were you before you met Jesus? And see, we forget because this is what happened to the children of God. Like, don't forget that. Don't ever forget that. Remember that. Remember that praise party because see what happened on the other side of the praise party is they traveled for three days. And by the time it happened, one, two, three, they got into the desert of Shur and they forgot where they were before the Red Sea. They forgot, but here's the deal. All of God's children must go through the desert place called Shore, that desert place where the journey gets tough, where, where life throws you incredible challenge, where, whether it's a desert place, a dry place, a hot place, spiritually, you're dry, you're, you're, you're like, God, I forgot what you did for me because if we're honest, we aren't so sure that God knows us or sees us in the dry place of the desert called Shore. And if I could play, on words, we're not so sure in the desert of sure that he's with us. And with all of our questions, I want you to know today that God today is still leading you. He is still guiding you. He is still with you and with your family, and he's getting you where you need to go as his children, even when you are in the desert place. I don't know if I'm talking to someone this morning, but I feel it in my spirit because there are people that are struggling today feeling like I may be alone again and I may be ashamed again and I might turn back to that old thing again because I'm in the dry place because it wasn't supposed to turn out this way. Have you ever asked that question? God, why did you allow this one to happen? 
I'm good with that one because I've seen that one. I'm good with that one. I've seen that one. This I did not see coming. No one saw COVID coming. No one knew that you were going to have to homeschool your kids. No one knew that you were going to have to scrape and claw and try to fight for everything that you have to keep a business open, to keep your marriage together, to keep your finance whole, to keep your kids covered in prayer. Am I preaching? I feel like I'm preaching because I don't know. Like COVID's out there, y'all. It's out there. I don't know. Are we going to be here next week? Are we not going to be here this day? I'm, I'm up on the mountaintop. I'm in the valley. I don't know where we're going to be next week, but this is what I know. I came to tell you this morning that God will save you spiritually, but he don't want to just save you and say, God, I call on you to be my savior. He wants to know you personally to say, I know where you are right in the dry place and in the desert place. And he brought you to a place where everyone needs to go through. And it's the place called Mara. It's the place called bitterness. Where does bitterness happen? Bitterness happens in my soul, in my mind, my will, my emotions. So many of us in this room today could be saved spiritually, and he is the Savior. He saved you, and he forgave you, but my soul needs to find rest. Thank God that my name is written in the miraculous Lamb's book of life. That's an old school term, y'all, but it is real. And he says, I saved you, I forgave you, but now you must go to the place called Mara. And I want to ask you, are you bitter today? Has your life gotten a little bit bitter. Anybody just want to have honest confession time right now? Come on, we've already named names. We've already nicknamed some names. We've already <laughs> said, I wish I could change my name. Has life gotten a little bitter? Let's be real, because God wants to heal bitterness today. COVID happens, loss of money, loss of job. I might lose some friends, not because they're not, I'm not going to lose them as friends, but they might have to change jobs and leave this town and go to another town. And that bothers me because I like them. And it's a dry place. And then, and then what about the things that people change, y'all? They let you down. Leaders drop the ball in a big way. Bosses do the wrong thing and make the wrong decision. And all of a sudden, we can be alone. We can be overlooked. We can be forgotten. And we thought it was going to turn out different. God, you called me out of, the, out of darkness. You called me out of being a slave to sin and shame. You, crossed, you, you brought me through dry land, through the Red Sea, and now you've brought me to the dry place of sure. And now it says in the scripture, remember it. Go back and read it. What did they call that place? It was, it was the oasis called Mara. Whoa, there's something powerful. Because, see, the enemy wants you to camp out in Mara. The enemy, it looks like an oasis from a distance. <gasps> There's my people, y'all. We can get together. We had a party back there, but now we're going to have a negative party. We're going to have a complaining and grumbling session. We're going to huddle around the water cooler and talk bad about our leader. We're going to talk bad about our boss. We're going to talk bad about our God. I've got a water cooler in my mind, and I retreat there all the time. You know the water cooler conversation? So did you hear that? Yeah, I can't believe he did that. I know. What are we going to do? I don't know. And then I go to my mind, and I'm like, I knew it. I knew it to be true. I knew it, Lord. I knew it. You know what, Lord? You. You. And it's the oasis called Mara because it looks like it's drinkable. 
It looks like it's got some shade. It looks like there's temporary rest and temporary consolation. But if you live there and camp out there, you will live where your your spirit could be saved, but your soul could never find rest for the entirety of your life. And you could live out your days being a bitter person. God wants to heal bitterness today. When you live and camp out in the place called bitterness, you, you, you start to grumble and com- you have a grumbling heart and a wandering mind and a complaining mouth and a demanding attitude. And bitterness sets in and then it gets, you, you feel the anguish come upon you and the anxiety come upon you and the depression begin to creep in and the inner grief and, and it's a sorrow of the soul. But good news to you today. We are children of God, and God named himself as the healer because he knew that we could not fix our soul. We could not heal our soul. So God doesn't want to just heal you spiritually. He wants to heal you emotionally. He wants to heal your soul and heal you from the inside out so that God will allow you to become sweet again and become good, have goodness flowing in your life. Again, it's the goodness of God. So God allows us to walk through that desert so that we will not camp out and get stuck in bitterness. Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, and he said, for I am the Lord who heals you. And what did he show Moses? What did he tell him to do? He said, I want you to throw a piece of wood and throw it into the water and it will make the waters drinkable again. Interesting. It's a limb, a branch a part of a tree, and I'm going to throw that in the water? Why would God insert that into the story, then give a command and say, if you obey me, and then I'm going to heal you and give you water to drink? It's because it's in that place that scholars actually believe this. It is a prophetic picture. It is a pre-picture, a pre-cross picture that Jesus needs to be inserted into your story, that there is a hill called Calvary, there is a place where there was a tree on a hill and a man named Jesus Christ died for your sin and my sin and carried the burdens and the sin and the shame of humanity so that we would insert limb, insert branch, insert the cross of Jesus into our story so that we could be set free, not only spiritually, but we could be set free from our bitterness. Amen. Even in the wilderness, God has sweetness. Even in the wilderness, he has refreshing. Even in the place called the desert of Shur, he has healing for you. Moses, throw the tree in the water and allow it to purify the water. Let me speak to you today. Children of God, throw your life at the foot of Jesus. Bow your life to the foot of Jesus and watch him heal your entire life. Not just spirit, but also your soul. It's the wellspring of life and Jesus says, I want you to have life more abundantly. You say, what's the third place where the Lord heals us? The Lord heals us completely. You say, that's not a place. I don't know about you, but I want to get to the place where I'm healed completely. Spirit, soul, and body. I don't have time to preach about how Jesus heals, like really heals your body. But the reality is, is remember that scripture that talks about I, I, brothers and sisters, I pray, I pray that you remain in health. And I, rem- I pray that, that you prosper even as your soul prospers. 
Ephesians chapter 4, I pray that you would get rid of all bitterness, all malice, all rage, all wrath, and that you would forgive and love one another unconditionally. Ephesians chapter 4, the end of the chapter. To live completely whole, completely free from bitterness because Jesus is the healer. And he doesn't just heal my spirit. He doesn't just heal my soul. He will even heal bodies. He will heal your past, your present, and take care of your future. Because in Hebrews 13, chapter 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will cover you completely all the days of your life. If we're honest with ourselves, we ask ourselves this question though. Great, God named himself the healer, but where did Jesus prove that? Great question. Jesus proved that he heals us even when we come to him with questions. Have you ever asked God, okay, so you're able to heal, but are you willing to heal? Are you willing to heal? And in Matthew chapter 8, it says, absolutely. Suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you're willing, you can heal me and make clean, make me clean. And Jesus reached out and touched him. But he did, didn't just touch him. He spoke to him and said, I am willing. And in other translations, he says, I am able and I am willing. I'm not just able to heal, I'm willing to heal you. But Jesus, I have doubts with where my marriage is at. Jesus, I have doubts with where I'm at in the dry place. Jesus, I don't know if the calling of God that you placed on my life to be a pastor, like it wasn't supposed to turn out this way, so what about tomorrow and what about my doubts? Jesus says, I cover that too in Mark chapter 9, verse 22 through 24. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. And Jesus says, what do you mean if I I can. Jesus asked, I mean, Jesus asked him, if I can. Like, what? If I can. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help my unbelief. The story goes on. Jesus healed him too. Number three, uh, but what about the question? Jesus, I see that you touch other people all around me. You ever been there? I see miracles happen in your life and your life, and you got a promotion during COVID. Well, bless your heart. Bless you, Jesus. Bless you. I love, oh, that's so awesome. Thank you that you got a promotion. Oh, God gave me a brand new car. I'm like driving an 05 Matrix with 189,000 miles on it. Jesus is touching everybody else, and we can feel that in our home and in our living room and in our closet. In our water cooler mind, Jesus, I see you touch other people. What about me? I'm going to take five more minutes. Mark chapter 5, there's a woman with an issue of blood she had carried for 12 years of bleeding from the inside out. She carried internal pain. She was called unclean. Everywhere she went, it was they would shout, unclean, unclean. If she touched a chair, they would move it, remove it from the city, burn it. She was labeled incredibly painful 12 years of her life. And after she spent, this is in Mark chapter 5. Y'all go read it. Mark chapter 5, after she spent all the money she had going to doctor, to doctor, to doctor, she finally ran out of money. She tried everything. They finally labeled her incurable because you don't have any more money to give us. Powerful 
right there. Don't have time to preach that, but think of the bitterness in her life. Being called unclean, not being allowed to come into the crowd, but yet she pressed into the crowd. We ask ourselves, Jesus, I see you touch other people. What about me? But this woman showed that she pressed through the crowd that day and touched the hem of Jesus' robe. And Jesus said, who touched me? The disciple said, you're crazy, Jesus. All kind of people have been bumping up against you. All kind of people have been rubbing shoulders with you. What do you mean, who touched me? He said, no, I felt someone call upon my name. I know that someone pressed through the crowd. They pressed through beyond just the Red Sea. They pressed through the bitterness and the label and the brokenness and the depression and the hurt. And they pressed through and she touched the hem. And he said, power. Somebody has called on my name and I felt someone. They didn't just try to get close to me because I'm in Jesus's friendly camp. I'm friends with Jesus. I know a little bit about him. No, they said someone was desperate and said, I need Jesus and touched the hem of his garment. And you know what he said? He looked down at her and this is powerful. God showed me this this week. He said to her, verse 34, number one thing. See, she was known in the town as a certain woman, a woman with no money. A woman with bitterness, a woman that's broke, a woman that's depressed, a woman that is unclean. It was just a woman, not even named. And then it comes to this point in verse 34 that says, daughter. He didn't call her woman. He didn't call her outcast. He didn't call her unclean. He looked into her eyes and said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Many translations will say, Go in peace. You have been made well. No more affliction. Your affliction is gone. So it's not just a physical healing. It's not just a spiritual healing. It's even an inner healing. Daughter means spiritual healing. Welcome to the family. You're not labeled anymore. You're called my son and my daughter. In this case, daughter. Number two, your faith has made you well. There is a healing in the wellspring of your life, and that is a healing of bitterness. So even in the dry place, Jesus touched her and healed her to the point that her suffering was now over. Her body was completely healed. Spirit, soul, and body. Daughter, go and be free. Don't be afflicted anymore. Bow your head and close your eyes with me. Jesus is the healer today. He wants to heal you spiritually. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he wants you to give your life to him. He wants you to bow your life to him and follow him spiritually. But if you are suffering right now from bitterness, bitterness of the soul, and there were many people that were honest in this conversation today, I want you to just raise your hand right now and say, I need healing. I know I'm saved. I know I'm saved, but I need healing of bitterness. And maybe you're not saved today. God will still show up and heal you of bitterness right now if you ask him. Cry out to the Lord. Just lift your hand. Lift both of your hands. In Jesus' name, I pray for the son and daughters that are in this room. Every person, every woman, every man, every child. God, I pray that we cry out to you, Jesus, today. And your power sets us free today. Jesus, you inserted the crown of thorns on your head. And you took the back lashing and was whipped and scourged on your back so that I could be healed and free. 
and you carried my cross and my sin and my shame and the burden that I could not carry on my own and you nailed it to your hands and your feet. Jesus, thank you for having your side pierced and you were pierced so that the deepest part of my inner grief and my sorrow could be healed. Now, Jesus, bitterness be gone in the name of Jesus. Bitterness be freed in the name of Jesus and let healing come by your spirit when we call on your name in Jesus name amen and amen now listen every head bowed and eyes closed if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you want to insert the cross into your life and say I'm going to give my life to Jesus today no one's looking around just boldly raise your hand right where you are and I'm going to pray with you amen I see your hand, sir. I see your hand, ma'am. Absolutely. Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? I see those few hands. Let's pray this together, church. Dear Jesus, come on, pray it loud. Dear Jesus, thank you for saving me, for living a blameless life and taking on my sin, my shame, and carrying my cross. I receive forgiveness right now. I will follow you, Jesus, and your word and your way all the days of my life. You are not only the Savior of my life. Come on, say that. You're not just my Savior. You're my Lord. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Come on, let's give them some praise today.